The lesson from the Hebrew Scriptures this morning comes from the book of Lamentations, chapter 3. I will explain in a moment where this blunt language comes from. God shot a quiver full of arrows into my vitals. God has filled me with bitterness. God has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. I've forgotten what happiness is, so I say gone is my glory and all that I'd hoped for from the Lord. Yet the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. God's mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. For the Lord will not reject forever. Although God causes grief, there will be compassion according to the abundance of that steadfast love. Thanks be to God for God's holy word. Please pray with me. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Jan Richardson is a Methodist minister in Florida. Her husband, Garrison Doles, who apparently was a fairly prominent singer-songwriter, died suddenly and unexpectedly at the beginning of Advent in 2013. The Reverend Richardson wrote a poem she calls A Blessing for My First Day as a Widow. There's a reason the ancients told us to rend our clothes after a death and to cover our heads with ashes. They knew that keeping it together is overrated. I think she's right about that, isn't she? Keeping it together is overrated. The Bible thinks so. About one-third of the Hebrew Psalms are songs of lament, the ancient equivalent of the weepy ballads of Harry Chapin or Dan Fogelberg or the Eagles. And did you know that there's a whole book of the Bible that is just filled with loss and lament? Maybe you didn't know that because the Christian church has aggressively ignored this book over the centuries. It is no fun, but it is very important. It's called the Book of Lamentations, and it's nothing more than a collection of five dirge-like poems of loss and lament. And these poems are acrostics. Each one of them has 22 verses because the Hebrew alphabet has 22 letters. And so the first word of the first verse starts with the Hebrew equivalent of A, and the first word of the last verse starts with the Hebrew equivalent of Z. These five collected elegies were written out of the vast sorrow that the Hebrews experienced after the city of Jerusalem was besieged, set ablaze, and flattened in 597 B.C. There was nothing left. Starvation ensued, leaving behind stick-thin children and helpless, anguished mothers. It must have looked a lot like the cities of Syria and Yemen today. Now, to this day, around the world, rabbis read the entire book of Lamentations on the anniversary of the destruction of the first temple in Jerusalem. And when the Christian church consults the book of Lamentations, it does so on Maundy Thursday or Good Friday because at that sad occasion, we seek fit words to paint the blackest face of woe. Now, nothing so terrifying has befallen us, but the poet gives me words to express my own smaller sadness. God has shot a quiver full of arrows into my vitals, 
God has made my teeth grind on gravel and made me cower in ashes. My soul is bereft of peace. The Bible encourages us to be honest about our confusion and disappointment and to share those feelings with God, to gather up our fistfuls of loss and sorrow and lay them at the throne of grace because keeping it together is overrated and acknowledging our distress is the first step on the journey back to wholeness and health. And so in our Holy of Holies, in God's very own house, we name all that we've lost these last five months. Four million infections, 144,000 Americans with us no more, as many as 40 million jobs lost, probably about 16 million of those jobs will never return. All those livelihoods, all those careers, all that hard work. James Kwok is a professor of law at the University of Connecticut. He wrote an article in the Washington Post with an ominous, dire title, The End of Small Business. Dr. Kwok lives in Amherst, Massachusetts, and he talks about his neighborhood filled with all these mom-and-pop shops, literally mom-and-pop shops. Most of them are run by women or immigrants or people of color. They have maybe 10 employees, 40 bars and restaurants, a 100-year-old stationery store, five hair salons, two bookstores, a toy store, store, a movie theater, and a florist. Now, the economy will recover eventually, but Main Street will not look the same for a long time, maybe ever, because this pandemic has turbocharged a trend that has been going on since Amazon and Walmart became global monoliths. Do you know that in many cities, Walmart sells more than half of the groceries? Dr. Kwok says that Main Street will grow blander and more corporate and a swath of storefronts will go dark permanently. Main Street will look like a hockey player's smile, many missing teeth, many darkened gaps in the streetscape where 4, 8, 10, 16 people made a decent living. Mr. Gower's drugstore and soda fountain in Bedford Falls will become a CVS or a Walgreens. Dr. Kwok says, it's the American dream. The road to success is working hard, saving money, taking out a loan from the Bedford Falls Savings and Loan, starting a small business, a path open to anyone of any background anywhere in the world. The American dream. And so we pray this prayer. God, help us. This dream must survive. And of course, we mourn for our young people. All those graduations never walked, all those proms never danced, all that classroom time on Zoom, all that hanging out with BFFs just gone, all those baseball games and lacrosse matches never played, all those college searches never explored, all those canceled internships, which might have been a gateway to a 40-year career. Last year, I had a blast flying all over the country, 
officiating at weddings. I went to North Carolina, I went to Florida, went to Massachusetts, went to Maine, stayed home here at Kenilworth Union Church. And Kathy had a blast planning our two weddings in my family. Now this year, between Labor Day and Christmas, I am officiating at eight tiny weddings. The huge festive parties will be next year, often on the couple's first anniversary. Now, I bet those brides and those mothers are still having a blast planning their weddings, but it's so much more fraught and complicated this year. Maybe some of us have lost our joy or our emotional steadiness. I know for a fact that many of us have lost a lot of sleep. Do you know how hard it is to run a church from home? I'm sure you do because you're facing the same challenges in whatever it is that God's called you to do. I'm not complaining because I have Ken Harris. I have Meg Ravord. I have Bruce Linger. I have Joe and Katie and John and Lisa. I have a murderer's row of accomplished colleagues and faithful trustees. I'm not complaining, but I am lamenting because I miss you. 20 Sundays, 135 days. My friendships aren't gone, but they are distant. And so I speak my loss and hurl it towards Elysium, hoping that maybe God might catch it. It helps a little to say it. And now the good news is that we're slowly creeping back towards each other again, yes? You've invited the friends you've missed most to have a glass of wine in your backyard. You're meeting your friends at Great Coast Commons. I know this because I saw many of you there the other night. We are creeping back towards each other, and this means everything. Because we must become shelter and rampart for each other. Catherine Woodowis is an editor at Sojourners Magazine. A while back, she suffered five traumas in quick succession. She doesn't tell us what those traumas were, but she wrote an article called 10 Things I've Learned About Trauma. I'll share just one with you. She says that grieving is not private, it is social. And healing, too, is not private, it is social. We are wired for connection, she says. And then she gives us what she calls the trauma beatitude. Blessed are those who give love to anyone in times of hurt, regardless how of how recently they've talked or how awkwardly they've reconnected or how long it's been since they visited one another from across the country or how often they've ignored each other on the metro. That love and help might not look like what you request or expect, but there will be days when surprise love will be the sweetest. Surprise love is sometimes the sweetest. And so, surprise each other with love. Be shelter and rampart for each other, no matter how much you've lost. Some of us have lost our peace of mind. Some of us have lost a lot of sleep. Others of us have lost their flawless complexions. 
I love these portraits of medical workers painted by the amateur artist Steve Derrick from Clifton Park, New York. He's painted about a hundred of them. Most of these medical workers work at the Albany Medical Center, not far from the Hudson River. The eyes are wide with shock and weary with exhaustion, but also resolute with valor. Battle scars, strangely, battle scars from mass give these faces striking dignity and unconventional beauty. You can see a whole frantic narrative behind these portraits, right? Row upon row of vented, sedated patients, beeping machines, crowded ERs and ICUs, staff rushing this way and that. Mr. Derrick does not airbrush. He shows every wound. One nurse said, it doesn't show me at my most glamorous, but it shows what I am and what I do. No one has ever done something so beautiful for me before. A reporter scolds the artist. You haven't shown them at their best. And Mr. Derrick responds, Oh, yes, I have. For me, these honest portraits sort of gather up all that we have faced and lost these last five months. Fear and its undoing. Dread and its collapse. We're going to be all right. All shall be well, and all shall be well, and all manner of things shall be well. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Amen.